In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a, wear, as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who was at the Father's side. He has made him known. I have always absolutely loved Christmas, and I came from a family where it was a, a great event. We grew up in the deepest West Country, and my grandparents lived on the North Norfolk coast, and so every few years, uh, myself and my three siblings, my parents, we would take this great trek across the whole of England. In those days, it used to take 13 hours, and we'd make the journey by night. And the children, we didn't have seat belts or didn't have to wear them in those days, so we would sleep like sardines through the night, or at least some of the night, uh, along the back of the family estate car. There were 30, 11 grandchildren and 10 adults. And as you can imagine, once we arrived, everything built in a frenzy of excitement. I can only assume that my grandparents' neighbors spent six months recovering from our visit and five months dreading the next one. One of the games we used to play when we were up there was blind man's bluff. You know the game, one person with a blindfold on, everybody else coming out and poking them and this sort of thing, trying to catch hold and, and guess who they were, which is a fantastic game, especially when there are like 20 of you playing it. But it is only a game. And I wonder if you could imagine what it would be like if knowing God were like that. Do you know, us with a blindfold on, stumbling around, trying to find God, God occasionally popping out, prodding us, this sort of thing, and us trying to guess what he's like. Now, the one sentence at the end of that first reading, there on page three, if you could take hold of it, I think that would be a great help. Turn to page three, and the one sentence right at the end there, at the bottom of the page, chapter one, verse 18, gives us a sense of that. Page three, no one has ever seen 
God. Just the first half of that sentence. It speaks what you might call of Christmas confusion. I mean, it's a straight comment no one has ever seen God. And sometimes I do a bit of an experiment. We're not going to do it now, but, you know, hands up if you've ever had a fully conscious, face-to-face, total revealing encounter with God, the creator of the universe. Now, don't put your hands up because the people in white coats might come and take you away. But were we to do that experiment, nobody's hand would go up because nobody has ever seen God. But that, of course, leads to confusion. Because without revelation, well, we've only got speculation. And you, you might say, well, I think God is a sparkly-toed fairy who steps in on random occasions. And I might say, I think God is cuddly and cozy, a sort of heavenly Teletubby. And somebody else might say, well, I think God is harsh and brutal. And somebody else might say, I think God is a he. And somebody might say, I think God is a she. And somebody might say, I don't think God exists at all. And someone else, well, I want to remain ambivalent. And maybe we think that's satisfactory. But, you know, when the stakes are so high, it can't be satisfactory, can it? You know, if we're talking about God, we're talking about eternity. If we're talking about God, we're talking about destiny. If we're talking about God, we're talking about purpose, why we're here. Talking about God, we're talking about accountability, ultimate accountability, what will be the verdict on our life and who will decide. So the stakes are really high, life and death, meaning and direction, right and wrong, justice and judgment, heaven and hell. A number of years ago, I was traveling up to Durham. I was actually going up to speak on this very sentence uh, up in the cathedral at Durham just before Christmas and got on the train at King's Cross. It was the earliest days of mobile devices. And there was, you know, in the days where people used to talk, you know, like at the top of their voice on some mobile device about this sort of size. And there was, uh, there was a lady in our carriage and she was about to get married, as we all discovered. Uh, and she was speaking loud and clear. And, you know, if you want to know what kind of wedding cake she was planning, what the bridesmaids were going to be wearing, where the wedding reception was to be, the hairstyle of the bride, and plans for the stag and hen party, she was speaking to her fiancé, and anybody in that carriage could give you full detail. In fact, we were even provided with substantial detail of what Jane and Jeremy were planning to do on the first night of their honeymoon, but I don't think we should go into that now. In fact, when we got to Doncaster... Somebody in the carriage said, as as, uh, Jane got out, I've never been so glad to get to Doncaster in my life before. (laughs) But it was the other pair, it was the other pair in the carriage sitting actually at the table with me. There was a dad with an eight-year-old daughter there, and Granny had just died. You know what kids are like? Where's Granny, Daddy? And she just kept on asking. And eventually, they settled together on the understanding that Granny was with the angels in the sky. Now, I didn't say this because it would have been entirely inappropriate, but I couldn't help thinking, how do you know? Because without revelation, well, we just got speculation, Christmas confusion. No one has ever seen God. How do you know? 
I, I was speaking on this passage last Tuesday evening to a group where the majority were over 70, and I made what you might consider a slightly inappropriate remark, uh, saying that um, all of us were facing death, and some in the room rather more immediately than others. <laughs> one, one of the ladies came up for drinks afterwards and said to me, well, what makes you think you're that far off, William? <laughs> but you see, when you're dealing with the big questions of life, you know, who am I? Why am I here? How do I realize my true potential? What's right? What's wrong? Do you know, without that kind of clarity from knowing God, pure speculation. And that's what I think makes the second half of the verse so wonderful and what makes Christmas so glorious. So just look at the second half of that sentence, page three, sentence 18, right at the bottom there. No one has ever seen God, Christmas confusion. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Now, the only God there refers to Jesus. It has to, because if you look at number 14 at the top of the paragraph there, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It has to refer to Jesus Christ, the only God. Who is at the Father's side is a really key little clause. Notice the word is. So John is writing after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was eyewitness of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And he declares, the Lord Jesus is now in the bosom of the Father, at the side of the Father. Everything he did on the earth has been vindicated. He's now with the Father in heaven. The only God, Jesus, who is at the Father's side, he, Jesus, has past tense made him, God, known. And so Christmas confusion gives way to Christmas clarity. Just let me read the verse again as we go through there. No one has ever seen God, yeah, we know that. But the only God, Jesus, who is now with the Father at his side, Jesus has made God known. Without revelation, speculation, ignorance, with revelation, clarification, illumination. We know what God's like. Now, I wonder what the best Christmas present you have ever received is. I am fully confident that this year I'm going to receive the best Christmas present I've ever received, and I'm full of confidence because I ordered it myself. I don't know if you've reached that kind of stage in Christmas proceedings where you basically order your own presents and ask somebody to wrap them up for you, but anyway, that's where you've got to. Um, but, uh, you know, my father, you might consider him to be mildly eccentric. I thought he was totally normal, but he used to make a huge Christmas cracker. I mean, really huge. And like we'd all be sat around the Christmas table and this dominated the whole table. The table, we just about crammed 14 in around the table and then there was this cracker that just dominated. If he'd had big, you know, five-gallon oil drums, I think he would have made it out of oil drums. It was that kind of size. And big cracker, big bang. And so every year the question was, how are we going to get this enormous explosion? And one year he actually stuck, we had a kind of 
bar, one of these farm fireplaces, and one year he actually stuck me up the chimney with a shotgun. And uh, at, at the moment, one, two, three, bang, and boom! And if you've ever fired a shotgun in a small enclosed space, I tell you, it was, it was quite something. Cousin Jeffrey, after I came round, was just about ready to be taken off in an ambulance. It was such a massive thing. But as you can imagine, we were all, what's in the cracker this year? You know, is it a small armored vehicle? Is it a, a donkey? You know, what this great thing on the table. But of course, once the cracker had been pulled, everybody knew. No more speculation. Revelation. Absolutely clear. So do you see, no one has ever seen God, but the only God who is now at the Father's side, he has in history, through his life, death, and resurrection, made God known. Isn't that absolutely glorious that God himself at Christmas came right down and down into this universe and showed himself? Look at Jesus, you see God. And Jesus says exactly that. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, says Jesus. I and the Father are one, says Jesus. I am the way, the truth, the life. Anyone, uh, no, no one can come to me, to the Father, except through me. So I would encourage you to read on in this gospel, take it away with you and, and, and read it, and to find Christmas confusion giving way to Christmas clarity. One final co comment, and I'm not quite sure how to put this, whether we should go one way or the other, and that is Christmas comfort or Christmas challenge. I got started following the Lord Jesus in December 1979. And uh, I'd been asked to spend a bit of time away from the school I was attending at the time for reasons that are none of your business. And I went to stay with my granddad. And over the weekend that I was with my grandparents, my grandfather, who was a very clear Christian, said to me, look, the darkness and confusion that we all experience comes as a result of us turning our back on God. Jesus came into the world as the light of the world to bring clarity. Through his death on the cross, we can be forgiven and we can now see God clearly and walk in the light. And that weekend, way back in 1979, I decided to turn and follow the Lord Jesus. And may I say it was the best decision I have ever made because walking through the world, if you like, with the light on, it changes everything, no longer stumbling around, confusion, clarity, comfort. In a couple of moments, I'm going to say a prayer. Let me tell you what I'm going to pray. And it might be something that you would like to echo in your heart as I pray it. So this is the prayer that I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that you have declared God to us once and for all. You are the light of the world. 
Lord Jesus Christ, I recognize that without you, I am in the dark. I can only speculate. Lord Jesus Christ, please would you make God known to me and light up my life. Would you like to pray that? In just a moment, I'm going to say that prayer, and you might like to echo it in your heart. Before I do so, Christmas challenge. Do you see, if I actually fail then to explore Jesus, to turn to Jesus, it, it tells me a bit more about myself than it does about Jesus. God has declared himself. God has made himself known. God is not distant or unclear. But if I say, well, I will have nothing to do with that, it kind of says rather more about me than it does about Jesus. I mean, Jesus actually comments on that later in his own words. He says, this is the verdict. The light has come into the world, but people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Well, now, if you'd like to pray that prayer with me, I'm going to pray it now. I'll then have one final thing to say briefly, and then we'll be finishing our, 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 um, closing with our closing carol. But let me um, say this prayer, and you might like, if you feel ready, to echo it in your heart. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that you have declared God to us once and for all, you are the light of the world. Lord Jesus, I recognize that without you, I am in the dark. I can only speculate. Lord Jesus, please would you make God known to me and light up my life. Amen.